So a couple of years ago, I made a discovery that uh, is life, was life-changing for me. It has been life-changing for me. Most of you know what that is, right? It looks kind of like this. Does anyone besides me ever wrestle with the roll of foil or saran wrap or whatever it is, trying to get it out, right, without the whole thing coming out? Well, apparently, uh, about 25 years ago, Reynolds uh, did a very smart thing, but didn't tell the rest of us about. On the end of the roll, there are these buttons you push in. They're called end locks, and they will lock the roll in place so that when you unroll it, the whole thing doesn't come flying out and rolling across your kitchen floor. Am I the only one who didn't know about these end locks? I know. Well, it's life-changing, really. Although saran wrap, let's talk about saran wrap a different day. I still don't have kind words for saran wrap. But you know, this, this foil thing, these end locks have been in place for 25 years. But it's only in the last couple of years that I realized that they were there. It was an epiphany for me. It was a, a revelation for me, right? This weekend in the church, we're talking about epiphany, about the journey of the wise men to find the baby Jesus, the Christ child. The, the word in Greek for epiphany means to, to reveal or to make known, to uncover. It can be a visible manifestation of a deity, of a, of a god, but it also can be that experience of sudden insight, that aha moment for us when something that we didn't realize was true becomes true and known to us. This journey that we celebrate in Epiphany, uh, the Magi finding the Christ child, it is an event that happened. It is a static event, but it began the unfolding of a dynamic revelation of God's love and grace and truth and light for the whole world. It happened and it continues to happen. As we continue to experience God's love in new ways and God's light shines into our lives in new ways, revealing to us who we are and who God is. This story of Epiphany gives context for us as people of faith, for the story of faith that we inhabit, that we, that we live in, and it also gives us context for the story that we live out in the world as people of faith. It gives context for us in this journey of discovering what's already been made known, what's already happened, even as it continues to reveal God's love to us now. I don't know what it is that, that you are needing this season as we begin a new year. Maybe the, the light that you need today is to be able to go home and like control your foil, Maybe that's all you need today, but I suspect that for most of us, we need light, the light of Christ in different ways in our hearts and our lives. Maybe it's related to all the things happening in the world, but maybe it's closer to home for you. Maybe right now, today, you just need to know a deeper sense of God's love for you in Christ. Or maybe the epiphany for you as we begin this new year is the depth of God's love for other people and the world. Whatever it is that you most need to realize, Jesus makes known to you. And we're on a journey of, of knowing and discovery. And we're on a journey together. Maybe we just need some light.
in the dark places of our world and life. We're going to talk about that today. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us, that it would take hold of us and transform us, that it would shine new light into the dark places. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin this new year, I've been thinking about the journeys that we've been on and some images that uh, come to mind. This is kind of how I feel sometimes. I have a plan for my life uh, that looks like the top image, and then it doesn't ever go that way, right? Uh, And this maybe is more descriptive in a shorter way, right? I have an idea of how things are going to go, and and it doesn't really ever go that way. That is just how life unfolds, what we wish our journeys looked like and the reality of what they are. Maybe 2019 did not look at all like you were expecting it to, but guess what? You're here today, and it's 2020. You made it through 2019, even if it looked like the image on the right, right? You made it. And we're on the journey, the journey that continues for us. These images resonate with me, but recently, the images that have been resonating with me more about the journey that we're on really are more of a spiral staircase kind of journey. Here's one spiral staircase looking down as you go down, right? And then here's another one uh, looking up as you go up. This sense that there's an axis in the middle and we're journeying around For me, the spiral staircase, I'm still making progress. I'm still moving forward, but it seems in life that I come back around to certain feelings or ideas or events, and the truth is, as we grow in Christ, as we learn more about who God is and who we are as the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, then then we begin to have the, the opportunity and the availability to see old events in new ways, to see the things that have shaped us with new perspective. I think about this with regard to my parents' divorce. They had uh, split up for a while while I was in high school and got back together and then divorced when I was in college. And I, I was at a certain place in life then, and I made sense of it the best I knew how to then. But 10 years later, when I've had different life experience and uh, been in relationship with them differently, I'm able to come back to that event with new eyes and new perspective, and new light. We're all on a journey, and sometimes it feels like we're stuck in place, but the truth is we're, we're moving forward towards God's love for us, towards being made perfect in love. Even as we come back around to some of the events that have shaped us and defined our lives, as we're growing in Christ, we come back to them with new insight and new perspective. We're being prepared for the insight, for the epiphany, even as we make the journey. Our everyday, ordinary lives preparing us for the new insight as we continue to pursue Christ. The Magi didn't just stumble upon the baby Jesus. They weren't just out for a walk and all of a sudden there's Jesus. Right? The Magi, who were part of a, a priestly order, they were non-Jewish, they're from Persia or Babylon, and, and they studied the occult, they studied astrology, and they studied uh, the interpretation of dreams and uh, things that are, are very different in context uh, now than they were 
then, but that was part of what they gave their life to, being attentive to the way things were and, and what was happening. And our story with the Magi comes in Gospel of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. So they, didn't, they were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish people. They didn't know uh, what they were expecting, but they were attentive to the stars. And part of the tradition then, part of the culture then, was that when a new king was born, there would be a star that rose to indicate that, to reveal that. So they had been paying attention to that. The Jewish people understood that they were waiting for a Messiah that they hoped uh, had referred to as the star of Jacob, right? There's a whole connection to the universe, to the stars, to how things align, to how things happen, to the order of time. So the wise men come from the east. They are a, a separate group who don't fully have the expectation that the Jewish people had, but combined with what the Jewish people had and the events of the world around them, they were ready when something did happen. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with them. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage." When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country, by another road. The Magi who were living their ordinary everyday lives, but open and attentive to what they were supposed to do next, the journey that they were on, not only attentive to the star rising that indicated the birth of a new king, but to be attentive enough to their own dreams to understand the warning in their dream not to go back the way that they had come. The story of the Magi is a link to us, to the epiphany, the revelation of Christ to the world. When they discovered the Christ child, it was, it was a light to the whole world. It was not just that Jesus was the Messiah for the Jewish people who had been longing for him and waiting for him, but also Messiah, salvation for the whole world, for all people. This event in time that set into motion this journey that we have been on. The revelation of Jesus is 2,000 years old, and yet it continues to unfold today. Maybe we need the light of Christ to shine in us and through us in a new way today. Maybe we need 
a new experience of God's love for us. Maybe we need a renewed sense of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need a new experience of God's grace for us and for the world. As we continue the journey, there's several things I think that we need to take with us, and one is that we need a compass for the journey, and our compass, quite simply, is Jesus. Jesus is our north star. Jesus is the the light that we align ourselves with. Jesus is our point of reference for the journey. No matter how the journey unfolds, we can trust that Jesus is leading us in the right way. The way that we know Jesus and where Jesus is leading us primarily is in Scripture and God's Word to us. The Word of God that reveals to us Jesus, the Word of God, Logos, the blueprint, the design, the purpose, the intent for us, Jesus made flesh. If you want to know who Jesus is, you've got to be in Scripture. There are plenty of ways that you can do that. The new year is always a good time to commit or recommit to being in Scripture, but there's simply no other way, really, than than to read Scripture yourself or to listen to Scripture yourself. There's lots of apps on your phone. There's lots of Bible reading plans. But if you only have a plan but you don't live into the plan, it's worthless, right? You actually have to engage in the text, But let Jesus be your compass. Let Jesus be your guide. I am a companion for your journey. I can help direct you in ways that might be helpful for you. But I am not your compass. Your pastors are not your compass. The church as a whole is not your compass. Social media is not your compass. News media is not your compass. Jesus is your compass. Maybe this year you just need to recalibrate a little bit. All of us do, so that Jesus is our compass. We need our compass, and we also need companions on the way. We don't know, actually, in Scripture, how many wise men there were, right? It doesn't say how many wise men there were. It says that there were three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've extrapolated out of that that there must have been at least three wise men. Maybe there were more, right? Either way, they journeyed together to find the Christ child. Think about the disciples that Jesus calls. He calls the disciples together as a community, a small group to know him and love him and learn from him, and then to be sent out into the world. But he doesn't send them out on their own. They go at least in pairs of two out into the world. Think about the early church, the community that gathered. The early church, the ecclesia, the the gathering of people together. It's never just one person. We need companions on the journey. Now, the truth is, sometimes we think that the journey would be easier without companions, Right? Because people, people are messy. And people can be disagreeable, and people can be unpleasant, and people can be difficult. Right? Now, if you're a reflective person at all, you understand that when I say that, we also are people. So sometimes we're the ones who are unpleasant or disagreeable, right? Or messy or difficult. 
but we need each other for the journey. We're not intended to go it alone. And here's the beautiful thing. In the dynamic of relationship with one another, especially maybe when we're in our most difficult places with one another, that is prime real estate for the Holy Spirit to enter in and transform us, to make us more like Christ, right? Sometimes we'd like to think that it's about making the other person more like Christ. And if that happens, great. But the goal is for us to be made more like Christ, right? We need companions for the journey. I think that's how God does God's best work is when we're in relationship with God and with one another, learning about who God is, learning about God's love and mercy and forgiveness, learning how to be the body of Christ We need companions for the journey. We also need to be properly dressed for the journey. There are clothes that we need to wear as we journey together. And the clothes that we wear simply are found in Colossians 3. When we're talking about Scripture while going and being in Scripture, last uh, summer one of the things I did, I spent a whole month just in Colossians 3. Right, The Word of God is not going to change. So dive in. Sit with it for a while. You don't have to read the whole thing in one sitting. That would be crazy, actually. Let it marinate. Let it steep. Let it become part of you. But here's the clothing that we need for the journey. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God in whatever you do. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Take this scripture, write it out, print it out, put it on your mirror, put it in your closet, put it in your car. As ones who are called and chosen by God, loved by God, this is what we are to wear in relationship with one another. We need a compass. We need Jesus to guide us. We need companions, and we need clothing, the right clothes for the journey. There's a couple other things that we need for the journey that, that, carry, that go with us in all that we do. One is that we need a sense of conviction, right? We, we need to know certainly what we believe, but I think it's as important to know the one in whom we believe. It's important to know what we believe, but maybe more so to know whom we believe. Our conviction is not a posture of being right or needing to be right. Our conviction is that Jesus is the measure of what is right. Otherwise, otherwise our conviction is about our desire and our power and our wisdom, not God's. Our conviction is found in the one in whom we believe. 
the right relationship with God. We need conviction, and we also need confidence in God. Trust in God's presence and God's power and God's provision. We also need courage. This week I read, courage is the choice and willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. Sounds kind of like 2020 already, doesn't it? Courage to confront, choice and willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. We need courage for the journey that we're on. We need to take heart for the journey that we're on. Someone has said, courage is fear that has said its prayers. At A15, I said, I I think I'll add, courage is fear that has breathed and said its prayers, right? Because we're going to breathe and we're going to pray in response to all the things that we cannot change. Courage, we need courage. The journey that we're on, friends, is not for the faint of heart. It's not going to go as we expect it to. It's not going to go how we plan it. No matter how well we plan it, it's not going to go that way. There will be things unexpected along the way. And we still live in this fallen world. Storms still come. Disease and illness still wreak havoc in our lives. We continue to live in the effects of sin and darkness and and violence and hatred and all the things that swirl around us. That is the world in which we live. We need courage, friends, to believe that God is still good even in the midst of all of that. God is still good and God is still faithfully present. God hasn't given up on us or given up on the church. We need courage, courage to believe that the light of Christ revealed to the world, is still greater than any darkness, than any uncertainty, than any unsettling. The light of Christ is always greater. Even in the midst of the darkness that seems so dark for us, right? Whether that's a collective darkness and events of our world and our culture, whether that's a personal darkness as we journey through the life that we've been given, God is still present, and the light of Christ still shines in the darkness. We need courage sometimes to even imagine light. When it seems darkness, sometimes the courage is simply to even imagine light and to do so with hope. We need courage, friends, to allow the light of Christ to illuminate our own hearts and our own souls, our own places of darkness. Because once it's been revealed, then the light can shine through us to the world. There's a sense of being known and seen and loved that allows us to be willing to know and see and love one another. The Magi The Magi are the link to Epiphany for us, the revelation of Christ as the light of the world. And Jesus says in John 8 uh, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew, Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. We receive the light of Christ, not to hold in our own space, but so that we might share it with the world. We receive Epiphany 
revelation so that we might offer that and share that with the world that so desperately needs the light of Christ. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in the world. We don't know what's going to happen in the United Methodist Church. Most of us have no idea what's going to happen in our own homes and families. What we do know is that no matter what happens, the light of Christ still shines in the darkness. What we do know is that we're not alone in this journey. We have a compass. Jesus is our compass. We have companions in the body of Christ for the journey. We have the right clothing to wear if we will just wear it. And we know that we go through the journey with a sense of conviction about who we believe, with a confidence in God's power and provision and presence, and with the courage, the courage to not give up, but to press on in the journey, being, knowing that we're being prepared for whatever God will reveal to us, open to that as a gift of epiphany for us. I don't know where you need the light of Christ to be made new to you or be made known to you or to reveal something to you. My prayer is that we would have the courage to let God shine the light into wherever we need it so that we might see God more clearly and know the love of God more deeply as we continue to be the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your light in the darkness. As often as we experience darkness, we can't imagine not having your light. So we pray for courage to let you shine your light into the dark places of our own hearts and lives and world, that we might receive it and live into it, that we might know your mercy, and that we, as we receive your light, that we might be willing to share it with the world. Remind us who you've called us to be. Remind us of the gift of your love for us, that we might offer that same gift with conviction and confidence and courage to the world around us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.